Hey, welcome to Null Pointers. I'm your host, Stephen. Gerald. And Mark. And today we'll be talking about the impending release of .NET 5 and what that means for us developers. So stay tuned. to share our thoughts on the upcoming .NET 5 release. What does this mean for mobile development, starting off with a bit of history and some more stories? But before we dive into the topic, I wanted to share a new feature I have been using a ton of over the last couple of weeks. It's Xamarin Hot Restart. Uh, While still in preview, it has been an immense productivity boost. What it is basically, it allows you to plug in your iPhone into your Windows machine and while it still requires an iOS developer account and certificates, but after initial setup, no Mac is any longer required. So be sure to check out the link in our show notes after this episode. And now to our main topic, .NET 5, and maybe the question, does this mean is .NET Core dead? Yeah, so what is .NET 5? Let's, let's talk about that first for a little bit. Um, it is the successor of .NET Core 3.1. Um, so there's there's all these variations going on right now. You have .NET Core, you have .NET Standard, you have .NET 5, you have .NET Everywhere. Um, so what is .NET 5? Can anyone tell me? It is the successor of .NET Core 3.1. It's .NET Core vNext, so to say. Um, yeah, so it's, it's the next version of .NET Core, which is what's going to be the focus moving forward. Um, so out with the old full-on .NET framework um, and onto newer .NET Core versions. Yeah, so I guess the thing is, you know, uh, you have right now the .NET full framework. So um, basically, the the rough difference is you have full framework, which which all your applications will be using. Um, so whenever you just run an application, it will use that version of the framework that is installed on that machine. Um, then came .NET Core, uh, which basically includes the bits of .NET, uh, the .NET runtime, the .NET framework that you're using. So together with your application, you package the .NET Core assemblies. So each application can run its own version of .NET. Um, so you're independent of what version you're using, which APIs are available on that version. You don't have to update your whole server to to um, run other applications. Um, so that makes it much more containerized, which is also a big hype right now. Um, and it also opens doors to make it more cross-platform. So it can run on a variety of platforms right now. Um, and I think what .NET 5 will be doing is go back to 1.NET. And um, so there's no full framework, there's no core anymore. And it will be just .NET 5, and that is what we'll be using uh, from then on. And I think that will be like the .NET core, right? So basically, full framework will disappear. Um, so it will only be core, and to make life easier for everyone, they will just start naming it .NET again, right? Yeah, that's that's about what I heard too, and uh, I think I'm almost like quite happy that .NET Core is still alive and kicking, <laughs> even though it's now got a little renamer. And uh, yeah, I'm also a big fan of being able to now package 
so, so you've got the option. You can still use like a system-wide .NET runtime as it has been before, but now you can actually say when you make when you build your app, I want to bundle in the runtime. I mean, for us mobile developers, this is actually nothing new because every time we we create an app for for Android or iOS, we also bundle with it the entire uh, Xamarin or Mono Mono runtime, so it can run on the devices. But now you can do this for your desktop apps. And uh, with .NET Core 3.1, what they also allow is to uh, now write your WinForms and WPF apps. You can now write them on .NET Core. Now, what that means is the WPF framework and WinForms, they're not actually in the framework per se. Uh, so you get a NuGet package that will only run on Windows. So WPF and WinForms, they will always stay on Windows, uh, or at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, but you can today already migrate your .NET 4.8 full framework or .NET framework apps to .NET Core. So you would be ready uh, when then .NET 5 comes along to, to then uh, reuse that one .NET framework, which I think is a, a pretty cool thing to, to have now. And yeah, um, I've, I've not written a lot of .NET 4.8 apps in, in the past, but uh, I have read a few articles about that. Yeah, and you know, um, it's what you say. You can already make the migration from full framework to .NET Core right now because you're not going to get around moving to, to .NET 5 at some point um, with, with all these plans. And probably there will be, of course, a transition. There will be changes going from .NET Core 3.1 to 5 right now. Uh, but that's probably a, a much less painful step than going from full framework to .NET Core right now than from .NET Core 3.1 to .NET 5. So you can spread that, um, yeah, that migration a little bit by, by getting on board right now and um, then going to .NET 5 later this year. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another cool thing that just came out, and I mean... I I'm personally not using uh, a lot of those packages right now, uh, but WPF and WinForms are now actually open source on GitHub. So you yep. you can actually now contribute to those old frameworks. And um, yeah, I've, I've heard that there've actually been contributions made to WinForms, uh, which which I think is cool because uh, I, I, WinForms has not been mentioned that much at the recent conferences left and right, but uh, you can still see a lot of dark matter software flying around in big enterprises that are still using this uh, framework and, and it's still required. And uh, I think it's interesting to see that in 2020, uh, such a old uh, and proven framework is actually receiving now some love from the open source community. Being 1.NET, um, what does that mean? Does that also mean we will have one runtime? No. Not really. Um, there will still be multiple runtimes, but they will let you pick the one that you want to use. So obviously you have the, the mono runtime, which we all know and love from our Xamarin days. Um, so that lets you run it uh, on iOS or on Android. And you also have the, the usual .NET Core CLR, um, which is the, the one that .NET Core uses, obviously. And yeah, I, I think they, they're going to make it available for you to pick whatever runtime experience you want and, yeah, go forward that way. 
Yeah, so I think what this all will be about um, is is making the developer experience um, as easy as possible, independently of what platform you're targeted, or uh, maybe you're targeting multiple platforms. Um, so yeah, and it will it will. I mean, there's still a lot to be decided. I think uh, .NET five the general plans are there, but I think the details uh, are being worked out as they are going. Um, but yeah, it it will pick automatically the right runtime for the right platform and and run on those bits. So yeah, really cool stuff coming. That sounds really cool. Uh, I I always um, so when I when I first read a few articles of .NET five. Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, a bit of the move that we used to have from the portable class libraries. Do you still remember those? Oh boy! Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean that those those were the days, right? I mean, PCL. I mean, no file access. Uh, yeah, I, I remember dependency injecting uh, stuff left and right into my PCL library so I could get basic stuff done. And as soon as Donna Standard was there, it was just like you could I could just get rid of so much. Uh, Overcomplification, and yeah, I thought I thought that I thought I'm I'm looking forward to that. I must say, yeah. So and that's that brings us basically to the question: like, why why do we want to go to .NET five? Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to go? Do I like pain? Is that why I go through another migration process? I, I don't know. I don't I I don't like pain. I I like to be a minimalist uh, when it comes to pain. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it, it will be the. I hope it will be the the easy transition forward. And um, I think for for mobile developments, since uh, a lot of our stuff is probably already living in .NET standard, um, it should be quite easy going forward. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. So again, the, I, I I mean, Microsoft will benefit by making the transition as easy as possible too, right? I mean, they want people to be on .NET 5. So uh, they're going to do everything to make that transition as easy as possible. Um, but yeah, also, why why is it 5? We go from, it's it's going to be .NET Core 3.1 and now we're going to 5. Are we, are we skipping numbers again, Microsoft? What are we doing? No, we're not. Nah, there, there's already obviously the, the full framework, which is version 4.8 now, I think. Um, and and obviously, if you name it .NET Core 4, that would confuse the hell out of everyone. Um, so it's it's kind of like we never saw Windows 9. So now we're on .NET 5. Yeah, so exactly. Why are we skipping numbers? No, I totally understand. Uh, so it it it's at, I think they're also aligning like multiple products with the same version numbers. Not entirely sure that, but on that, but um, I think there's there's some strategy there as well. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention is that we've mentioned .NET standard a couple of times before, but for the people who are not that familiar with the whole thing, so .NET standard is more like. A specification, right? That that describes the APIs that are implemented for a certain platform. So, um, whenever you start working with .NET standard, I don't know if I relate it to Xamarin stuff. I think the newest supported version is two point one. Uh, then you will know whatever is outlined in .NET standard two point one is implemented and can be used across all the other platforms that implement the .NET standard 
specification. So that's a bit how .NET Core, .NET Standard, and 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 well, .NET Five will be .NET Core. Um, how that all works together and and ties in together, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's also how I understand it. So .NET Standard is like a, like you said, it's a specification, and and each uh, .NET framework, like the the full framework four four eight and the .NET Core, the Mono runtime. They then uh, had to adhere to that standard, and sometimes the the .NET standard just had like shims, so it was it, it, the thing was already there, but it had a different name. So when it was accessed through .NET standard, it would then automatically pick the right library. Uh, you had those little shenanigans going under the hood, and uh, with .NET five, it, it will it will no longer just be a specification; it will actually write against the framework. And uh, another interesting thing is the .NET standard two point one is I think the first standard that is no longer implemented by .NET full framework or however we want to call it going forward. And uh, so I think uh, if, if you're starting today and you think, ah, should, what, what .NET standard should I choose? I think .NET standard 2.0 is still uh, what you probably want to take because with .NET standard 2.0, you can run on .NET 4.8, you can run on .NET Core, you can run on Mono. And uh, you will also be able to run on, on .NET 5 as it comes along, um, which I think is uh, great to, to keep uh, in the back of your mind. Um, if you want to be writing code today, that will be ready uh, to easily uh, transit over to, to .NET 5. Cool, yeah. In the show notes, there will be a couple of links to uh, give you all these information so you can read all these things uh, there as well to have you prepared when time comes. Uh, we're all mobile developers here, so let's talk a little bit about what .NET 5 will bring um, specifically for mobile developers, for Xamarin developers. There's a lot of NuGet packages out there right now, a lot of awesome library creators. We have one among us um, with with a fancy name like Pancake View. I'm, I'm getting hungry each time that I install it. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible name, terrible name. Always getting hungry, always consuming more pancakes. <laughs> You're very welcome. I was I was there when when I'm I'm just gonna say when we came up with the name I'm just gonna say it um, and I, do you have a cool story that you that that how that name came up Stephen or are you just going to tell the truth Well, it's there are multiple stories in circulation, <laughs> um, so I I will I will let you know that my old grandfather um, at some point right on his deathbed left me a pancake recipe so it's it's named in honor of him and maybe if you ask me again tomorrow i'll tell you something different so mysterious so mysterious so for the ones who don't know what this is uh pancake view is a if you specifically for examining forms that basically takes a frame it is it is a view of its own but it can do gradients it can do borders it can do different corner ready on different corners and it's it's does all kind of crazy stuff so if you don't know about it it's it's almost impossible but go check it out um shameless plug right here sprinkle some awesomeness over ui with pancakes uh, yes and then make some yes, that... and then eat them the delicious pancakes while you watch your app scrolling <laughs> by in the pancake use okay okay we're drifting off we're drifting off yeah we're drifting off we're drifting off um 
so what what will this mean for those library creators? Is it going to be easier, I think? I would guess so. Um, obviously, since you're still on a .NET standard, if your current library already supports .NET standard, you shouldn't have that big of an effort to go through. Um, yeah, so this is this is going to be Microsoft things, right? So this will be this will be backwards compatible to back to Windows three point one. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, I think uh, so. For for library creators, um, I think that if you the existing functionality from .NET standard will be taken over uh, to the new to the new frameworks and to the new runtimes. Um, we'll probably see some new features being introduced that uh, have already been living in .NET Core for quite a while. Um, I think uh, WebSockets has seen quite uh, a few additions, uh, networking stuff in general, uh, thanks to the ASP.NET Core work, uh, which would then also become available uh, for, for us as mobile developers. And uh, I don't know of many apps that do not use some kind of web communication. So that's, I think, something to look forward to. Uh, you can always use some more speed there. Uh, some more efficient memory copying uh, for high performance stuff. Uh, but I, I would hope that uh, for existing libraries, it should be quite seamless, this transition. Or, or are you really scared, Stephen? Not yet, not yet. Um, I, like you said, I think it's it's going to be fairly straightforward. And obviously on the Xamarin side, the, all the, the mono framework runtimes that you have there, I don't think a lot will change in that regard. But on the end of maybe WPF and UWP and uh, full framework versions or implementations of my packages, maybe there will be the, the bigger workload. Yeah, so I think ideally it will it will just be renaming a couple of namespaces because they will put some stuff in, in different places maybe. Um, but other than that, just work. Yeah. Hopefully. Trademark. Uh, <laughs> runs on my machine. Yeah. So I, I also think the migration should not be, uh, it should be probably a bit easier than when we migrated off from the portable class libraries, the PCLs, uh, because their the concept was also quite a bit different uh, from, from coming from portable class libraries where uh, maybe the, the older people here with starting to get gray hair uh, will remember they was like a, you would only get the subset of features which every runtime supported. And with .NET standard, they, they turned it around. They said, this is the features that you have to support as runtime if you want to support a certain version of .NET standard. And uh, so now .NET 5 is, is exactly in the same sense as, uh, as, as .NET standard was. So you will have a set of features that every runtime has to implement, and they have to implement it with the same naming and all that. So I think that the jump should not be quite as, as uh, scary. Yeah, I think, I don't know if scary is the right word, but um, yeah, I think it could be more tempting as a library creator to just quickly do the migration over to .NET 5 and then uh, be done with that. So you've, you've mentioned PCLs a few times so far, um, but does anyone remember shared projects? Oh, yes. Or, are they still a thing? I don't even know. I, I still wake up screaming sometimes. No, not the project. That, that was an interesting one. It, it was a short-lived experiment, I feel. I, I think it lived actually quite a while. I still stumble sometimes over some projects that use them. It's still an Xamarin.Forms repository. Shh. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, but but do you know do you know why they did it? Why shared project why those projects ever became a thing? I have no idea. This is actually uh, I remember it was uh, when when Windows Phone came out, they had uh, Windows Phone eight and they had WinRT eight, and it was like I think on the marketing slide it was like ninety percent overlap, but not quite everything, and so they came up with this idea that you could make like this share project. Uh, which you can then uh, reference in your WinRT project and your Windows Phone project. And since most of the namespace just went up, it actually worked. Because, I mean, the, the shared project, it, it looks like a project when you, like a library, when you look at it in Visual Studio. But during compile time, that code will actually be linked in to your target project. So if you had a WinRT, Windows Phone, or Android, or iOS, it would then take the, the library code and just compile it into there. Which means sometimes that compile times could be a bit longer, yada yada. Uh, but that was, um, yeah, that was a that was an interesting approach, and uh, it, it's still it's still out there, Stephen. I, I I've seen it not so long ago. I, I faintly recall actually even linking files in without a shared project. Like I think there were a few flavors back then that you could also just say link all these files into each of these projects. You can still do that. Well, it, it has its usage, I think, uh, but that, that, that is, uh, I think that feature is just, is more a feature like of, of Visual Studio or, or, well, yeah, it's still .NET stuff in general, but I don't think it's really tied to all of the cross-platform stuff or anything. Um, you can do that on, on any project, I think. Um, but yeah, if you want to do it, yeah, that's that's another question. I know, again, from the Xamarin Forms repository, I know it happens there because it's kind of the same, like like you mentioned, Mark, with the shared namespaces and stuff, because we have uh, macOS support and also iOS support, which have a lot of the same concepts, and the namespaces and object names are slightly different. Um, so I know that a couple of renderers there are just links to um, the iOS renderers and they have some if devs uh, in there to swap out some of the specifics for that platform. Um, yeah, it's I, I think it comes down to a matter of taste um, if you like that or not. Personally, it wouldn't be my choice, but uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that was like the, the original way how you shared code across platforms with reference the file in the different project and then hashtag if defined uh making your changes and uh i sometimes still use that approach uh like if i got different configurations for certain builds uh so yeah for different uh, environments definitely yeah if, if you're going to use it for like hey i have this variable i, I mean also there is a lot of different approaches but if you have a a constant string connection string thing and you want to swap it out for debug or for test or for production for your default build configurations, then okay, that's that's one scenario that I might like. Okay, I, I I would like to do it for that. I mean, still it would probably be in a configuration file that is separate from your code and and loaded from there. But you know that's a scenario that I can see going. But in in large classes of things where I make decisions on on if dev things, if I'm on one platform do this and the other do that it makes it very unreadable i think yeah yeah I, I totally agree and also refactoring can be a pain 
uh, because if the, the the code that is not active, if you like make a, a rename of a of a oh, variable yeah. or so, it, it just will go lost um, yeah. in the not activate. And then you change it and, and maybe you don't test it and it only gets, and then suddenly your builds start failing left and right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it has its uh, drawbacks, this approach. Um, yeah, but uh, going back maybe to the platform specifics, uh, in .NET 5, um, so since everything is now 1.NET, um, I think we as mobile developers, we're actually quite used to it that some runtimes need a bit of different uh, information or something has to be handled a bit different. Uh, how is that handled in .NET 5? I think it will be easier. Um, I think this is all, um, I, I, I must say I really didn't read up on that in depth yet. Uh, but I think from, from what I did get from it is that it will be easier because you will have these libraries that will all be unified. They will have the same namespace now. They will just have different implementations. So I think you mentioned somewhere in the beginning, like the uh, no file access in, in PCLs. Um, I think you will just now have um, system.io and system.io will know how to work on Linux. It will know how to do things on iOS and it will know how to work on containers. I don't know. Is that supported containers? I never did anything with containers. But, um, you know, you have all these platforms that you can just hook up to .NET 5, basically, um, and you implement that dotnet specification and it you can just use that namespace and it will figure out for you on the runtime where to to do the things so i think that will be a lot easier yeah yeah and uh i think since containers they only uh are thin wrapper over the actual operating system um i think it should work actually just out of the box uh yeah and and the other thing that i uh, that actually really came with dotnet standard is uh this multi-targeting so you can write, so you can either do this uh, with the if devs, as we said before, I uh, can say if running on Windows or if running on Mac, uh, you can then uh, have different parts of code executing, uh, but you can also specify it in your CS project. You can say, hey, if, if running on Windows, uh, load these files in that directory, uh, otherwise uh, load the files in another directory. So you can actually still implement platform specific stuff because uh, if you write for, for iOS, for example, you will want to target a different UI framework than if you use uh, the same uh, code uh, when running on, on Android or Windows or Mac or Linux. I mean, we're just everywhere with Dotnet, aren't we? So that's, that's, that's something you're using, right, Stephen, in your library? Yeah, the, the day multi-targeting came out for Mac or Visual Studio for Mac, that was the day I cried hard it it yeah of joy obviously um so yeah it's it's uh, very much a cornerstone of quickly being able to iterate your packages on the same platform by just using the multi-targeting while developing and also obviously when rolling it out but yeah you can just pick from a drop down on the on the IDE which platform you want to look at and then your code basically gets all the IntelliSense for that specific platform. It's it's great. I mean, it it really speeds up all of that. So without all the, all those wonky if devs that that Mark said, you you don't really get the IntelliSense on them if it's not the platform you're working on and all that garbage. Yeah. So that makes it. I mean, in 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 practice, it's the same thing, right? If you use if devs or the multi-targeting with with some 
drawbacks here and there. But um, so with the if devs, you would have all these these grayed out text blocks uh, in your IDE, and with multi-targeting, you will have really separate files. And I don't know is is the naming convention important? I don't think it is, but um, you see a lot of things is just class name dot android.cs or class name dot ios.cs um, and you can have the the platform specific code in yeah each in its own file so it's much more readable and uh, the example that mark uh, mentioned like you want to rename stuff uh, that will happen because there's no code blocks that are grayed out i mean each class is just active um, at least all the, the the classes that are relevant to uh, the target that you have selected in your IDE uh, will be active because it, it just pretends like, okay, I'm now on this platform and it will only make the classes active that are targeting that platform. So that's that's basically how it works. It's not based on, on the naming convention that you mentioned. That's, that's more just people wanting to make it clean and readable, I guess. OCD, um, OCD. Yeah, OCD. But yeah, it's it's based on uh, the, the target frameworks that you specify in your CS project file. Um, and then you make some, some if statements in there that every file in a specific subfolder or with a specific naming convention is uh, applied to a certain target framework. Right, right, right. So that's it just makes it easier to say, okay, star.android.cs will always go into a certain target. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, I, think, I think it makes it a lot more readable uh, because uh, if you have everything like in one file and you have these, and you've got like large chunks of blocks of code, uh, it can be quite hairy to then uh, yeah, find out what's really going on. Maybe it's just me with my goldfish brain. Uh, so I, I really like this new approach, and I actually did not know that uh, Visual Studio for Mac now supports this. But uh, yeah, t- tears of choice coming down on my face right now as I'm speaking. Yeah, well, that's that's really cool. And uh, in, in in Visual Studio for Windows, what you can actually do if you've got multi-targeting, you can then at the top of the file, you can you got a drop down, and can just say, uh, I now want to target. Uh, .NET standard, I now want to target uh, iOS or Android, and then uh, the different uh, the, the file will actually adjust to the, the standard that you just chosen. So you can you can actually also do this like inline still, uh, and I, I think that's quite cool so that you can do that. Okay, so I think big question is, I, I recall one specific um, example of me proposing a cutting edge solution, um, Azure Functions, whatnot, .NET Core, latest versions um, to a customer when I was working at another company. And they were like, yeah, we're not going to use .NET Core Azure Functions anytime soon. Um, We're just going to stick with full framework because, well, reasons. Um, They didn't actually mention the reasons. It was, I think, because that was where they felt comfortable um, and not with all the new stuff and experimental stuff in, in um, in their experience. Uh, in how they would see things, um, so how would companies know? Like, how when should I migrate my project? Should I migrate my project? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, so, if we look at it, uh, .NET five will be coming out later this year. I think it's November that they said uh, that it should come out for for general use. And uh, I think what one has to know, uh, .NET 5 is not a long-term support version. So if you uh, are focused on having something with uh, a long long shelf life or a long life per se, 
Uh, I think uh, moving your existing code to .NET Core 3.1 uh, right now would be the wise move because you will have their long-term support. Uh, you will be missing out on some features that will be coming along with .NET 5, um, but you will be like ready to then go down that path, uh, especially since uh, .NET 6, uh, which will be coming out in November 2021, so in a good year's time, uh, will then have, again, long-term support. But I think right now I would recommend to most of my clients and especially the projects that I'm in that we uh, start with .NET Core or migrate over because uh, you will still get your updates for .NET Core 3.1 for quite a few years and uh, like security patches and all that. And uh, yeah, I think that's always something to keep in the back of your head uh, when starting out new projects, like how long should it live and how long sh and how often will it be maintained uh, down the road? Uh, yeah, that's that's my take on that. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, so I hear a couple of interesting things. November 2020, .NET 5, which will not be long-term support. So, okay, uh, what what does that mean? I think you already mentioned it. It's like, um, it's available, you can use it. Yeah, I think it's like with .NET Core 3.0. Uh, I don't know, but I think it will have about a year long of support, .NET 5, and then you should migrate over to .NET 6. It should be easy, the migration to do, uh, but it's a, it's a major version change and uh, uh, in a year, a lot can change. So, yeah. And and you mentioned then 2020 now .NET 5, so 2021 .NET 6. So it looks like they're going to um, do this in each year, a new .NET version? That is what the calendar says, yes. <laughs> At least for these two, but is it going to continue on that path? <laughs> Yeah, the 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 path that they've put out so far includes a .NET 7 and a .NET 8 all the way into 2022 and 23. But yeah, and and alternating all the odd numbers will be generally available and all the other even numbers will be the ones you want to use. Okay, cool. And what so if we go back to should I migrate as my uh, huge company a lot of important systems. Um .net what will happen to .net 4.8 because all my applications are are running on that right now? As far as I know that's going to be the last release of that or at least uh, maybe they're gonna do one more i don't know it's the last major version is going to be for dot whatever they're coming up with by then yeah so that's probably going to be the version that will get like the critical updates um if if it really needs but yeah you at some point you really don't want to be on 4.8 anymore i would slowly start looking into migrating over to dotnet core yeah. so that you can make a swift move over to .NET 5 or subsequent versions. Okay, awesome. I want to use this today. Can I do that? Yes, yes, you can. You can actually download the .NET 5 preview today. Uh, we'll put a link to the show notes. And you can try out all the new features. And uh, it's still being actively developed on. So you might not want to put your next $1 million idea for your business uh, onto it. Uh, but you you can try it, you can play around with it, and you can also see if your existing code that you've maybe already written in uh, .NET standards or .NET Core, uh, if it will be running on .NET 5. Uh, yeah, so check it out. Cool. There will be links in the show notes to point you in the right direction to find all this. And that wraps up most of our thoughts on .NET 5. I hope you learned a lot. Uh, I know I did uh, learn a thing or two, so that's really cool. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. And I hope to hear you next week on Mill Pointers. Mm -hmm.